Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Today, we're starting a new series that is one of those foundational series that really is a game changer because we're going to deal with one of the most core beliefs of Christianity. And I don't like to use that word Christianity, but uh, because that's a, that's a Gentile concept of who we are and what we do, but that's kind of how we identify ourselves. But, but you might say it this way. We're going to deal with a core foundational belief for victorious living in the kingdom of God, in this realm that God has promised us, this quality of life that God has promised us. And what you're going to discover is that that many places where you're beating yourself up, many places where you feel like your faith is failing, your faith is probably not failing, but the real truth is your faith may be in the wrong place. It may be pointed in the wrong direction. You see, that everything about salvation, salvation, the word salvation has to do with being saved, being healed, being delivered, being blessed, being prospered, being protected, uh, uh, being made whole, you know, being sanctified, and <clears throat> which really gets into the whole realm of kingdom living because kingdom living is where we are living in a relationship with God where we are experiencing all of the uh, benefits, if you will, of, of heaven. It's like living in the Garden of Eden where God ruled and we enjoyed the benefits. We just get to partake in those benefits because we are in that realm. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of confusion among people who, who discover the promises of God, but just can't seem to get them working in their life. And I'll tell you, uh, you can start feeling like God has let you down. You can start feeling like the gospel is not true. You can start feeling like Jesus really hasn't done his work. Or you can, if you, if you get around legalistic or religious people, you'll start condemning yourself. You'll get introspective and you will pick yourself apart trying to find out what's wrong with you. Well, here's what I have found in the arena of faith. I have found that for the most part, people's faith, though very sincere, and uh, it is very misplaced. Now you say, well, what do you mean by misplaced faith? You see, most of us look to the life of Jesus and, and we should, there's a lot to be gained for the life of Jesus. And we, you know, I'll touch on some of it throughout this series. And of course, in my series, Three Days That Changed the World, I go into some of this, but the life of Jesus taught us very specific things. In fact, the primary thing that the life of Jesus taught us is number one, he taught us how to properly in, interpret and apply God's Word because Jesus was the revelation of God. He was the Logos, the, the Word of God become flesh. So for the first time ever in the history of the world, man had a human being that he could look like and say, this is what God meant when He said this. This is what it's supposed to look like. But 
So, so we got to see who God really was. We got to see the character and the nature of God put into practice. Every, every way that Jesus treated a person is exactly how God the Father, if he were here himself, would have treated that person. And so, so we can sort out all of our crazy doctrines really by always just asking the question, is what I believe about this, is it in harmony with the life, the teaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? And so... There are so many wonderful things we learn from the life of God. We get to see God as He really is. But another really interesting uh, thing that we discover from the life of Jesus is we get to see what we would look like if uh, our faith was really working to its fullest extent. In other words, the life that Jesus lived, the miracles that He worked, the fact that He, <coughs> that he Himself evidently overcame sickness and disease in his life. The fact that, that he did all that he did, heard from God. Uh, he modeled what a believer looks like. So he was the perfect example or the exact representation of God, as it says in Hebrews 1.3. But he was also the perfect example of what a man, according to Acts 10.38, a man filled with the Holy Spirit would actually look like if we were totally and completely surrendered. But, you know, when you look at that and the life of Jesus, you get all of these incredible benefits from his teaching, from his ministry, from the way he treated people. But the reality of it is the power of God that works in us is not really based on what Jesus accomplished during his life, per se. I mean, that's a factor. But the power that works on us is what the Bible calls resurrection power. And we'll be talking about resurrection power in, in, in upcoming weeks. And resurrection power is the power that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave and Satan and, and sickness and disease and the curse of the law and all of those things. And <clears throat> so very few people really have much biblical knowledge about what actually happened from the cross to the throne. I can remember when I was a, a brand new believer and, uh, you know, on Easter Sunday, they would talk about how that on the cross, Jesus said, it, it, it's finished. And so they would say, see, salvation was finished. Jesus paid, you know, he came and, and he did what God told him to do. Salvation was finished. Well, that's absolutely incorrect. And that is not at all what Jesus is referring to. When Jesus said it is finished, he had fulfilled all of the mission and all of the prophecies about what he would accomplish during his life here on earth. He had done what God had, had called him to do. But a person cannot be born again or experience salvation, saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart, and all of those things. A person can't experience that until they believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and not just in a general way, that God raised Jesus from the dead according to the Scripture. So if we don't know what the Scripture taught about what happened from the cross to the throne, then the real truth is we might experience, or we will experience some degrees of the salvation experience, but we really won't experience very much. And the honest truth is we will limit ourselves to most of what Jesus came to give us because our faith is supposed to be rooted and based in what happened through the death, burial, and resurrection. When you hear the term, the message of the cross, 
It is not talking about just what happened on the cross. It's talking about what happened on the cross, what happened in the grave, what happened in the resurrection, what happened when, God, when Jesus you know, ascended to God, what happened in the heavenly holy of holies, and what that means to us as believers. So, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I, this is a game changer. This is going to be one of those foundational messages that will affect or influence every single thing you believe. Now, today I want to talk about messianic miracles. You know, um, uh, when Jesus... When Jesus was on planet Earth, uh, it's, it's so interesting to realize that, that he fulfilled messianic prophecies day after day after day. As a matter of fact, when I first got saved, I didn't know anything about the Bible when I first got saved, but because I, had a, I, I got a New Testament and I started reading in the book of Matthew, well, the book of Matthew is written more to, to the Jews, and so Matthew was always quoting and referring to Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. Now, I, I got to tell you, it, it worked wonders for my faith in who Jesus was and what he'd accomplished every time I would see where Matthew would make reference to a scripture because I, was, I would look and, and say, man, you know, over a thousand years ago, God predicted that this very thing would happen at this very specific time in history, and it has happened exactly like God said it would, and it happened exactly when God said it was. You know, we don't have time to go into it in this series, but you know, in the book of Daniel, there was prophecy that gave the specific year that the Messiah, that Jesus, the Messiah, would be born and the specific year that he would be crucified. That's why Herod, the king, uh, was, was on high alert watching for uh, uh, the Messiah. That's why he killed all of the male babies is, is because he knew the appointed time had come for the Messiah to be born based on scriptures and then based on, you know, other factors. So <clears throat> Bible prophecy uh, is, is so incredibly powerful in boosting your faith. And it's just so sad to me that so many people do not know the Scripture. They, you, you know, they don't, they don't know the prophecies. They don't see when prophecies are being fulfilled, and they don't see when prophecies were fulfilled, especially in relationship to Jesus. Now, uh, the religious people had come up with what they considered to be like the, the acid test or the litmus test to identify uh, the true Messiah, because many people had come along in, in the nation of Israel and, and claimed to be the Messiah and, 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 and drew people to them and drew followers to them. But, but the, 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 the ruling body of the Jews had come up with, with four particular messianic miracles that they said the person that shows up that is able to work all four of these, of these miracles uh, this is the proof that he is, in fact, the Messiah. You know, one of the one of the things that uh, uh, that a messianic miracle would do would be to um, uh, to heal a person or to heal a leper. I believe it was one of the other things would be to 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 cast a demon out of a person that couldn't that couldn't hear. Because how could you cast a demon out if they couldn't hear? Uh, one of the one of the things that was considered a messianic miracle was to uh, uh, heal somebody. I think that had been born blind. I, I, I may be missing one of these, but I think these are the four. And then then one of them, one of the most interesting was, 
of a Messianic miracle was to, was to raise somebody from the dead who had been dead for more than three days because within, by the third day, putrefaction had already begun. The person was decomposing. So obviously only the Messiah could work a miracle like that. Now what's interesting is we forget that dead people had been raised. You know, Jesus was not the first person to be raised from the dead. Um, in the Old Testament, there were people raised from the dead. We don't know how many people were raised from the dead. And obviously, even though it was miraculous and, and, and wonderful and people saw it as a sign from God when Jesus did it, it was not a totally foreign concept. But the idea of raising a person from the dead after three days, that was according to the religious leaders at the time, a messianic miracle. Now, you know, when you go over and read the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead over in John chapter 11, you, you, if, you, if you read that whole chapter, you realize that Jesus could have been to Lazarus uh, uh, the first, probably before he died, if he if had come immediately when he received news, or he could have at least been there within the first day that, that he died. And so in Mark eleven thirty nine, 39, it says, Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to Jesus, Lord, by this, uh, or actually this was after Jesus said, said, roll away the stone. Martha said, by this time, there is a stench for he has been dead four days. So <clears throat> they didn't believe it was possible for anyone other than the Messiah to raise somebody from the dead after they had begun to decompose. And, and, you know, the amazing thing about this is because of the fact that he raised Lazarus from the dead, you realize that the ruling religious body, they didn't kill him because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. The Messiah. They killed him because he wasn't the Messiah they wanted him to be. He didn't come and, 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 and give up Israel power over all the nations of the world and, and rule the earth under, under the nation of Israel. That's what they wanted. He came in his first journey here, his first trip here, he came here to work in the hearts of man and make it possible for people to enter into the kingdom inwardly and in their heart. Now, I'll tell you something. It is incredibly important to know biblical prophecies when you're looking at what Jesus accomplished, but especially all of the messianic prophecies, because the messianic prophecies told us in advance exactly how we could know that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. Now, I'll tell you something that, that you need to think about. If, if you don't know the scriptures, the prophecies about how end time events will, will, will take place, then many people who will be deceived by the Antichrist, by the false signs and wonders, they will be deceived because they will be looking at circumstantial evidence to identify Jesus' return, and they won't base it on the Scripture. Now, remember something. When, when I talk about the Scripture, and when, and when the apostles and disciples talked about the Scripture, they were not talking about what we call the New Testament. Now, I, I'm thankful for the New Testament. I believe what they wrote in the New Testament was God-inspired. I believe that uh, 
that they showed us the application of God's Word uh, in a church world environment. I believe, uh, you know, I, just, I believe it's great. And here's the thing I found. I found that everything, everything in the New Testament, I can validate by the Old Testament because what we call the Old Testament is what they called the Scripture. The idea of an Old and New Testament is really a little bit deceptive. There's an Old and New Covenant, but the testimony of God is one testimony. It, it, never, it never, ever ceases. And so when they refer to the Scripture, you have to understand, they're talking very specifically about the first five books of the Bible. If they say the Scriptures and the prophets, then they're talking about the first five books of the Bible and, and, and the books of the prophets. And so, so they knew how to identify the true Messiah because they knew the Scripture. Really, while the Pharisees and the religious people had come up with these four miracles, the real truth is none of that was based on Scripture. That was just, that was just what religious people came up with. I want to be somebody that no matter what kind of miracle I see a minister perform or a person claiming to be the Messiah perform, I want to know the Scriptures well enough and be able to hear the voice of God in my heart to go, nope, you know what? He may have worked that miracle. I may not know how he did it, but I know this. This does not align with Scripture. That's, that's one of the ways we protect ourselves and, and, and remain overcomers. Well, you know, in the Old Testament, there were prophecies about, about the Messiah, but there are also what you call types and shadows. Now, type and shadow is where you see uh, something played out in real life, and it, it's sort of like a living parable in that, in that it gives you insight into future truth that will come. Well, one of the types of the Old Testament was Jonah. And we all know the story about Jonah where God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, and Jonah didn't want to go. And, um, and so, you know, he, he, he basically ended up getting thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish. And uh, what's interesting is whenever, when Jesus came on the scene and, and started preaching to people and, and they, started, they said, well, give us, give us signs and wonders uh, or, or give us signs so we can know that you're the Messiah. So they were probably referring to the religious signs that were not in the scripture that the ruling religious body had said, these are the signs we want to look for. But Jesus said in Matthew 12, 39, he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, uh, right off the bat, I want you to understand something. The story of Jonah is true. Like it or not, believe it or not, can't sort it out or not, it is a true story. And Jesus links his resurrection from the dead, or, he, or let me put it this way, he links the story of Jonah being in the belly of the fish to him being in the belly of the earth for three days and then being raised from the dead, just like Jonah was delivered from, from the, uh, the belly of the fish. Now, uh, so it's one of the things that's very clear here is that Jesus is specific and the scriptures are specific that Jesus will be in the grave three days and three nights. Now, in Psalm 16, uh, in one of the message and prophecies in verse 10, it says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, 
or this is this is talking about not the eternal hell, but this is this is really talking about the abode of um, of, of the wicked, because Jesus died as our as our, in our sin, he, and so he was alienated from God. He says, "Nor will you allow the Holy One to see corruption." You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy, and your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So Jesus, there was a prophecy that said, in essence, that Jesus would be resurrected before the putrefaction of his body began. And he quotes the scripture about being in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. And so one of the things that I always point out to people, and, and I'm not trying to be argumentative or just, or just pick on little insignificant factors, but I want you to understand something. It is impossible, it is scripturally impossible that Jesus was crucified on Friday and raised from the dead uh, at, the be at the beginning of the first day of the week because the beginning of the first day of the week comes at 6 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Sunday began, in the Jewish calendar, began at sundown on, on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. So if Jesus had only been in the grave for, for, from Friday to Saturday afternoon, then the truth is he was only in the grave one day and one night. And I want to tell you something. You better believe... If, if the scripture said he was going to be in the grave three days and three nights, if he said he was going to be in the grave for three days and three nights, and if he didn't stay in the grave three days and three nights, you better believe that the religious world would have argued that point to the death to prove that he could not have been the Messiah because they were very meticulous about how these scriptures would be fulfilled and how specifically. I mean, just stop and think about it. We, we, we got scriptures that talk about how, how that on the cross, not a bone of his body is going to be broken. How that on the cross, his side gets pierced. But more amazingly than that, more amazing than what we have about what happened on the cross, we have prophecy that tells us specifically what went on in the grave. You know, when Peter preached the gospel at Cornelius' house, which was the first time the, the, the Gentiles ever heard the gospel, in Acts 10, 38-42, it talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, who went with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were pressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we were witnesses of all things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him, God raised up on the third day. Peter didn't say God raised him up on, on, at the end of the first day. Peter didn't say that God raised him up on the second day. Peter said God raised him up on the third day. And by the way, it says that he showed him openly to the disciples, and you know, not to everybody, but to all the disciples who ate bread and drank wine with him after his resurrection. You know, in, in Paul's gospel, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, he says, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, I want you to understand something. That third day factor is what happens from the cross to the throne. And by the way, let me mention this before, before I get too far into this. Be sure if you're watching this on YouTube to like this. And if you're not watching it on YouTube, go to YouTube. Uh, um, 
and look at my channel or go to our website and look at my channel. Like this so that more and more people around the world will see this because I'm telling you something. People need to hear this message. What happened from the cross to the throne? Because, because believing on the resurrection, see, most of us come to God and never have really heard a gospel that is based on what the scripture says about the three days and three nights that Jesus spent in the belly of the earth. What did he do? Where was he? Why did it take that long? What did he have to accomplish? Uh, you know, uh, and, and what's the And when did he do all of these things that the scripture said that, that he did? You see, we need to understand exactly what Jesus accomplished in the grave. We need to understand what, why is it even important? Well, I'll tell you why it's important. Because, see, the Bible tells us that we, get, that we get saved through a process whereby we hear the gospel of peace, which most people have never heard the gospel. He said, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're not born again, but I'm saying your capacity to experience the fullness of the gospel, your capacity for kingdom living is limited if you don't know and believe the gospel of peace. And that's in Romans 10, 15. Then in Romans 10, 17, it tells us that having heard this gospel of peace, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in the Greek, it's talking about specifically the topic and the word that came to you by the person that preached the gospel to you. And, and, and then in that, because we've heard that gospel, we've heard about the covenant of peace that was established because of what happened specifically in those three days and three nights. We, we have this covenant of peace established, and, 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 and when Jesus was raised from the dead, our faith is supposed to be in what he accomplished while on the cross, while in the grave, through the resurrection, uh, when he ascended to heaven, what he did in the heavenly holy of holies, and when he was seated at the right hand of God, and what he received. Now, if you're just interested in just being born again, and, and you're just going to live by however it happens until you make it to heaven, fine. I mean, that, that's, that is your choice. But if you're wanting to live life to its fullness, if you're wanting to discover what it means to live in this realm called the kingdom of God, if you're wanting the life of God that the Greek language says is the quality of life that is possessed by God, God himself. If that's what you want, you can't have that if you don't know and believe what Jesus accomplished from the cross to the throne. And I'm going to tell you something, that's what this series is all about. And I want to encourage you, you know, you, you can get the full series two ways. You can order it uh, from impactministries.com. It's called uh, Three Days That Changed the World. I'm telling you, it is, a, it, it is a life changer. It is a game changer. It is a foundation builder. It is something that is going to change, rearrange the core of your faith in Jesus and what he actually did for you on the cross. And you know something, if you're, if you're saying, I'm not really interested in purchasing it, but I really don't want access to it, well, then you need to go to moveyourboundaries.com at Impact Unlimited. And if the offer is still there, which I think it is for the first month, you can have access for $1 to all the material that we have on Impact Unlimited, which will be this entire series. And then if you see it's a value to you, you can keep on, you can keep on with it moving forward in the future. And you know, we've added some new features over to Impact Unlimited, so, so you, you, you want to you check it out. And, and if you've looked at it in the past and you were unsure, you might want to look at it again because we've got some new things happening that's really going to make it where you're more mobile, where you can take it with you everywhere that you go. So be sure and check, and be sure and check that out. But here's, here's the key thing. We're going to make a journey of faith that's going to place your faith 
in what Jesus accomplished from the cross to the throne. And I'll tell you something, when you're starting to believe God for healing, prosperity, blessing, protection, it's going to change because it's going to be based on something you may have never believed before. So I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.